Hello and welcome to the Raw podcast. I'm Joe Nicholson, uh, joined today by my colleague at the Sunderland Echo, James Copley, and we're going to be discussing Sunderland's 3-2 win over Bristol City at Ashton Gate, Sunderland's first win of the season. It's now four points out of two games. Um, really impressive win, James. Uh, how impressed were you with Sunderland's performance at Ashton Gate? Extremely impressed. Obviously, that you know, there was a a few hairy moments at times that'll happen when you concede two goals. But in terms of first away game of the season is is, is phenomenal, really, to come away from there and win 3-2. I thought Nigel Pearson's sides tend to be a bit more defensively solid. So I think they do have issues there. Um, clearly, when you're, when you're conceding three at home to a, a newly promoted side. But I think you have to give Sunderland a great deal of credit as well. I mean, for the first goal, it's, you know, three minutes in, Ross Stewart does really, really well to win the ball. It's a cracking finish by Ellis Sims. To be fair to Dan Neely, makes a run around the outside, which opens a bit of space. And in terms of the pressing for that goal, there's a lot There's a lot gets said about pressing, isn't there, Joe? You know, p- teams want to press, but there's pressing without purpose and, and Sunderland really pressed with purpose. It wasn't cavalier. It wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't sort of everybody... Um, sort of rushing forward when when a press can sometimes be broken and you can leave space. It was sort of a three-man press. They identified a weak link in the defence. Stewart does really well to to nick the ball away and it's um, it's a cracking finish. And, it, and it's nice to see that sort of calculated pressing as well because I've seen it millions of times over the years. Lee Catamull used to do it to try and get the crowd up at the Stadium of Light when you know things weren't going so well. A couple of players maybe run forward. It's not done in in bunches or, or to any sort of purpose, and it sort of fizzles out. But that really, really impressed me. That first goal and what a start for Ellis Sims and, and what a start for Sunderland in the game. Mm, yeah, Sims obviously grabbing the headlines with with two goals and really impressive debut. It was one of those debuts where he just stood out and seemed to be involved in everything. Um, so from from the fourth minute when he scored the opening goal, but he offered strength. He offered pace. He was composed when he got the ball in, in those attacking areas. Um, and him and Stewart were a real handful for that um, that Bristol City back three. And as you said, with the press, I think there were times where Sunderland didn't get it quite right, understandably. Um, and the game was quite open in the first half. And if you do press um, and get it wrong, it can be quite easy to get picked off. And there were a few times, um, there was one, I think, when the score was 1-1. De Silva got in on the left-hand side for Bristol City and maybe should have made it 2-1. But there were times when Sunderland got his spot on. Uh, the first goal was a, an instant of that. Um, and with Stewart and Sims up front, I thought they pressed really well. There was, a, there was even times when, when Pritchard behind them was kind of like calling his teammates to push up the pitch, um, was kind of gesturing to, for the team to move forward um, and really kind of start that press. And, and Sunderland did that well for most of the game. First half, as I said, was, was quite open at, at stages, possibly too open for Alex Neal's liking. But then I think in the second half, even when Sunderland fell behind, I thought they were by far the better team in the second half and deserved the three points, particularly on the left through Jack Clark as well. I don't know what you've made of his performance. Yeah, I thought, I think what's pleasing about the Sunderland side at the moment is is the resilience and the ability for the, the players to sort of make adjustments by themselves during games and Alex Neal's sort of tactical nous and, you know, his motivational motivational halftime team talks seem to be working he, you know he can switch it around as well because when Bristol City leveled the scores through Andy Wyman it was it was Gooch playing him off it was poor defending let's face it there was a couple of times after that Gooch was out of position again but he he really start, started to settle down because he was bombing forward quite a lot um and I thought Alex Scott the the 18 year old um Bristol City attacking midfielder that our colleague from Bristol World pointed out he looked very good 
um, and did open up Sunderland on one occasion, sort of sat Daddy Bart down. Um, and then you had Clark saving a certain goal, as you, as you mentioned. That was when that was when Scott opened Sunderland up, and he was very impressive. Um, Alex Pritchard just sort of found himself on the wrong side of the uh, on the wrong side of the midfield, but you can you can forgive him for his contributions later in the game. Um, and then to go two one down, you know, after half time, for Sunderland to then rally, keep playing, crucially, and then come back into it, I thought was was extremely impressive. And Clark and Pritchard. Um, two standout performers for me. Again, I, I thought Pritchard at times off the ball um, was maybe not off the pace, I think, but sometimes in the wrong positions. But what you get with Pritchard is the the moments of quality for the for the two goals, which which were just superb. And Jack Clark play, played a hand in them as well. So yeah, I mean, a lot of boxes ticked. I'm, I'm sure Alex Neil would have, would have preferred a clean sheet or, or keeping them not, sorry not surrendering a lead but in terms of the resilience I thought was I thought was excellent yeah just the way I think that they kept, they came back after falling behind to kind of to react so quickly which I think was important because it was a sellout crowd at Ashton Gate the fans were, uh, were up for the game and then kind of when uh, that goal kind of goes in Sims makes it 2-2 um, it kind of stopped them kind of building any kind of momentum um, and as you mentioned that quality from Pritchard for the second goal where he kind of curls the ball around the defender and then Sims finished it. And then I thought the cross obviously for, for Stewart's header was it was an excellent cross and he just provides that quality of the ball as Clark did as well. I think, as I was saying with Clark, I think just the fact that he kind of mixes up his game a lot more. I think last year he was a bit predictable at times, the way he always kind of cut in onto his right foot. I think now we're seeing he's mixing his game up a lot more. I think we're also seeing that defensive side of the game. Alex Neil trusts him in that wing back position, which is important um, because as I said um, on the podcast last week, most of the sides in the championship play with a back three and wing backs or more sides do than don't. So the last two teams, Coventry and Bristol City, have both played with a back three. Alex Neal has matched them up and Jack Clark's allowed him to do that by playing in that left wing back role. So defensively, as you said, when he got back on the line and then he also provided that quality going forward as well. I think his, um, I think his work rate's excellent, to be honest, in that sort of left wing back role, which is not something we're necessarily associated with him when he came to the club. I think... He, he's he's doing an extremely good job and starting to build up a, a lot of trust. I also think, obviously, you know, Sims was Sims was the standout performance in terms of him scoring two goals, but that game for me underlined the the beauty and the importance actually of having a man in and around Ross Stewart. We know Ross Stewart can play up front by himself to to great effect, but when he's got somebody around him who can sort of mop up his his graft and his hard work and his little flicks. You know, he, he played a part in, in all three goals, really, with, you know, with his movement, winning the ball back. He, he took the throw in quickly as well. Um, so I think having Sims there really underlines, you know, it, obviously it's great to have the option that, that Stewart can play by himself and we know he can do that and score. But um, yeah, I mean, for, for the winner for the winner as well, he, he gives the ball to Clark, then gets in the box and that's what you want from a centre-forward, really. So that, that partnership, although in its, its early days, looks really, really promising to me. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see if Sims can keep that up as well. Obviously, he come in. I don't think Bristol City were really expecting him to come in and, and play mm. well that well, uh, whether they were even expecting to start at all. There were some quotes from from the Bristol end. Um, Cal Naismith, the defender, had a real tough afternoon against Sims and Stewart, but he could kind of picked out Stewart as, as a guy to watch. I don't think they were really prepared for what Alice Sims came in and mm-hmm. did. And it also then leaves a the question of if Sun and I are going to play with the front two, we know Alex Neal wants to sign another striker that they definitely do need another striker. They're going to play with the front two because there was then 
a lack of options on the bench to kind of replace one of them if they did pick up an injury or needed replacing. Well, it's, uh, Alice Sims could have had a hat trick as well. Actually, there was yeah. there was a chance where I think it might have been Clark played him in, and the ball just didn't get to him. I think that might have been at one nil, and then there was, there was a great the save, save well, yeah, right. the, the, the save by Bentley as well. But um, it's interesting we spoke spoke about it with Jordan Jones from Bristol well, but the tactical flexibility flexibility of of Alex Neil. Obviously, he's going to want additions, but he's you know so far this season he's played with two up front, um, with one in behind, but he's played with. Two in behind and one up front, so there's that sort of Egan Egan change change depending on the game. Obviously, we know he can play uh, four at the back as well, but you are right in what you're saying. You would expect Sunderland to to sign another another forward as well, and I I do think, although I was hugely impressed with with Corey Evans, and I, I really liked Dan Neil in that game as well. I think he's slowly coming up to to speed with the championship. You're starting to see his quality. He did struggle at times, but. You're going to expect that he's acclimatising to a new league and, and hasn't been um, a first-team player for that long, really. I think people forget that about Dan Neil. But despite Sunderland's success, I think it does underline that definitely need cover for Stewart in Sims and competition. You know, possibly another centre midfield. Actually, not possibly at all. I would say definitely another centre midfielder with championship quality and experience. And I thought, although Gooch recovered well from his, from his hairy start, I would like to see... You know, a specialist right wing back slash right back because I like Tri Hume a lot, but he's very inexperienced at championship level, barely played in League One. You know, still quite young, more of a right back than a right wing back. So we probably will see him at, at stages this season, but I think we need cover in that position. And you could possibly also say even a left back as well. Um, so I'd there's definitely left, I'd say left back more than more than right back, even. Yeah, you know, it's so that there's, there's still quite a lot of work to do, but what's encouraging is. Is that you know Sunderland have got three points, uh, four points out of the first two games. Sorry, which not a lot of people would have predicted that at the beginning of the season. I don't think before a ball was kicked that, that we would do that well so so quickly. But another pleasing thing for me as well, Joe, is the sort of reactions weren't too over the top. Sunderland had won a game, but it was you saw the reaction of Clark at the final whistle. There was some sort of fan cam thing, um, bench cam, and. You know, they sort of stand up in the police, but it's not over the top. It's it's it feels like the mentality of the squad's very good at the moment. It's more like Alex Neal's got them on to the next one. We need to knuckle down even more because yes, Sunderland have got four points from two games, but they haven't done anything. They haven't survived relegation. You know, they haven't finished mid table or, or wherever. They haven't achieved anything this season. Um, so I think I think Alex Neal will be. You know, we know his personality. He'll be keeping feet firmly on the ground, and I'm fully expecting him to keep our feet firmly on the ground next time there's a press conference. I think so. I think I think there's a realisation that it's it's going to get tougher. I think you look at the fixtures that are coming up. Um, obviously, we've got the Carabao Cup game on Wednesday night away at Sheffield Wednesday. But after that, it's it's QPR at home, who yeah. they beat, they were 3-0 up against Middlesbrough inside 40 minutes on Saturday. Then you've got an away trip to, to Sheffield United, who are one of the favourites to win promotion. Yeah. So there are going to be very tough tests. Around the corner, they've got Norwich coming up as well. Although they've had a, a tricky start to the season, still one of the favourites to to win promotion. So I think there's a realisation that it's going to get a lot tougher in this league. Although Sunderland have got four points on the board, good start, but yeah, there's still a, a long way to go. I'm, I'm not saying teams are underestimating us and, and managers are underestimating us because I don't think they are. They'll all do the due diligence. They'll all watch the games um, that Sunderland have played under Alex Neil. But I wonder if we've just caught caught Coventry a little bit. Um, especially in the first half, and, and Bristol City cer certainly a bit cold, and, and we've surprised them by 
how good we can actually be because there's Alex Neal's had a full preseason now. You know, the players have been together longer. They've got confidence. You know, they're starting to, I imagine they're starting to feel like championship players after coming up through the playoffs. So, you know, it's it's difficult to put into words what, what a, an 18 game unbeaten run um, since that MK Dons game in League One last season can do for a team. So I think that all plays a factor. I wonder if we've, we've maybe surprised teams a little bit by our quality on the ball, even though, you know, it's clear that Sutherland can be attacked because we've we've conceded three so far this season as well. I think particularly Bristol City were shocked, as we said before, with, with Sims coming in. I think they were a little bit kind of stunned. And obviously the atmosphere, the big crowd at the stadium, like for the Coventry game, that maybe caught them a little bit cold as well. But uh, that's why I said it, it'll be the challenge for players like Sims and, and for the whole Sunderland team, really. Teams mm. will watch watch these kind of games. They'll work Sunderland out. They'll come up with different tactics and strategies to try and stop Sunderland. And it's then up to Sunderland, up to Alex Neal um, to adapt. But you mentioned a few positions earlier in the transfer market that you feel that Sunderland need to, to strengthen. We know they're still interested in Nathan Broadhead as another striker. So Alex Neal is saying he wants to add four or five more players. So what do you think are the kind of main priorities now for Sunderland between now and the end of the month when the transfer window shuts? Definitely centre midfield for me. Um, strengthening the fullback areas. I know we've got plenty of players that can play there. Winchester, although he hasn't featured in the matchday squad yet, or nine, um, sort of Hume, um, you know, Ballard, Huggins. But we, you know, we got an update on Huggins recently. We're not sure when he's going to be back. So I think those specialist positions if you don't recruit well there in the championship, I think that has the potential to, to hurt you. I really like Jay De Silva down Bristol City's left. Um, I'm not saying we'd be able to get somebody of that ilk or him in particular specifically, but, you know, um, a, a championship operator, either left or right back, would, would be a, a priority for me, as well as centre midfield. And then it's got to be a striker as well. Um, you, you know, the, the one thing I've noticed since talking to... Um, opposition clubs writers covering covering their teams is that there's there's serious options um, up front for teams in the championship. You know that the, the um, Coventry City have got four or five strikers and a lot of them are quality as well. Martin Waghorn and um, Gyoka, as we saw, and there's a lot of quality there. Bristol City have the same with Vyman and and Chris Martin. So you, you would like to see Sunderland strengthen there, and then. There's suggestions as well that Alex Neal might want a third goalkeeper. So I think Christian Speakman could have a, a fairly busy window, uh, end to the window. I think it's 24 days, 24, 23 mm. days until until the window ends. So it's not panic stations. And, you know, it massively helps when you've taken four points from, from two games. I think if, if Sunderland had taken two points from two games or, or one point from the two games or lost both of them, then uh, fans would be a little bit more uneasy. Of course they would. Um but you know the narrative's defined by performances on the pitch. Performances on the pitch have been good, but I still think Sunderland need um, you know three, four, even maybe even five reinforcements if they can get them. You don't want to see them sign players just for the sake of it. Of course, they have to be the right fit. Um, we know the the model uh, the club are, are working towards at the moment in terms of sort of young, hungry players that can maybe be sold on. But if a player becomes available, like Corey Evans or Pritchard, uh, that the club believe they can get, then I think adding that experience to a pretty young squad would be really beneficial. Mm. And yeah, as you mentioned before, I think the narrative can change quite quickly, can't it, depending on, on week to week and, and results. But I think there's some areas where there is there is strength. One player who I wrote a little bit about on the site is, is Patrick Roberts. 
only played 11 minutes in the first uh, two games. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of what do you see then? Would you like to see more of him? I think Well, when I was writing about it the other day, um, I was kind of saying that I don't think the change of system has really helped Patrick Roberts, the fact that they've changed to a back three and um, wing backs. Uh, Roberts was much more suited to that position out wide and now he's not really suited as a wing back. And if he is going to get in the team, it looks like it'll be for Alex Bridgard's role in the number 10 position. Yeah, I, th- I think you're bang on. I don't think he, he suits that. You know, Clark's adapted to it really well. Um, he's got like a, a, an exceptional work rate up and down that left-hand side. I'm not saying Roberts does, but I, I do think he's more he's more suited to to being sort of out on out on the left or the right and, and drifting in with a back four behind him and maybe a, a wing back overlapping him um, to create a bit of space. I would actually like to see him if you know. If, if a game goes that way, to, to maybe start alongside Pritchard or Embleton as two tens in behind the striker, just to like just they did to, the Coventry game, yeah, just just to see just to see what he would be like there, because you, you'll know better than me, Joe. But I can't remember too many occasions in which he's played number ten for Sunderland, if any, has he? Did a few. There was there was a few that season. There was one in particular that stands out, which I think was one of his first starts under Neil. He played away at Lincoln. Ah, oh, that's right. Um, and it was a goalless draw, but Roberts was excellent that day. He was probably the man of the match. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Neil actually called him, after the game, he called him a little magician, uh, which was yeah, high yeah. praise. Um, so he has done that role. And that free role kind of takes away that defensive responsibilities, which I think is maybe a part of his game that is lacking. Um, but I think there will be times where Sunderland do play with the back four. For example, QPR on um, next weekend, uh, they play with the back four. So whether Neil then yeah. matches him up, whether that allows Roberts to come back into the side, but clearly a very talented player. I think he'll start well, against Sheffield Wednesday in the Cup. Yeah, I think he will as well. But it's, it's also a long old season as well. We know, um, as you say, we know Alex Neil really rates Roberts, so otherwise he, he wouldn't have, the, the club wouldn't have offered him a new deal and he wouldn't mm. have stayed at, stayed at the club. We also know that he really likes Alex Pritchard for obvious reasons because he's a brilliant footballer and he's a, a massive fan of Elliot Ambleton as well. So that sort of number 10 position um, is... Is, is quite well stocked. And the, the beauty of Roberts and Embleton as well is that they can play off the left or right um, with a back four behind them. They aren't just number 10s. Pritchard, you'd, you'd say you'd, you'd want in the middle. You wouldn't want him out him out wide too often. Um, one player, though, Joe, that really impressed me, again, um, despite Sutherland conceding two, two goals, was, was Ballard. I thought, you know, he's not gone under the radar, but what he's done so far in the Sunderland shirt, I think, is... Is really good, and he's he's a young player that does have championship experience, and I think that championship experience is really really shown. It's the same same with Danny Bart, obviously not as not as young as Ballard. He's what twenty nine thirty, but that championship experience in in Sunderland's defence is is really shown, despite maybe you know a few a few lapses in concentration. Mm, yeah, I think the Ballard one. I think it was just a very sensible signing, wasn't it? You're signing a young player who fitted the model of the club, who can grow and improve, who also had over 30 appearances in the championship under his belt and then performed well at championship level. And as I said before, I think at the minute he's Sunderland's first choice centre-back, which says a yeah. lot when you've got Danny Bart and Bailey Wright, who are two experienced championship centre-backs as well. I think Ballard started him really well. He's quite an aggressive defender. He does like to get tight to people, um, as you saw with uh, with Gokarez against Coventry yeah. the other week. And I think he got booked in that game as well. So, um, you know, he, he does kind of play on the edge. Uh, but I think, yeah, as you say, he settled in really well. Looks very comfortable on the right of that back three. It'll be interesting to see what he's like when we go to a, go to a four. Mm. Um, but at the minute, yeah, I think he settled in really well. Had two good performances, but it is a long season, and um, yeah, there'll, there'll be tests for him as well. 
coming up against good strikers like Gokrez the other week and then, then Vyman. So there's, there's a lot of quality in the Championship that he'll, he'll have to cope with. I know we're going to have another podcast on the, the Sheffield Wednesday game, hopefully with um, uh, some lads from the Sheffield Star. But it'll be interesting to see how both clubs treat that fixture because Sheffield Wednesday are obviously going to be wanting promotion from League One. Um, they've had a, I think they've got they've got four points from the for opening two games as well. Sheffield, Sheffield yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, they drew with Portsmouth and then they yeah. beat MK Dons. So two tough games for them to start the season. Indeed. So you wonder how Darren Moore is going to going to treat that fixture. Um, and for Sunderland, you, you would certainly expect. I would. Would you expect Bass to play? I think I probably would, Joe. I and think then... so. I think you, you could see ten or eleven changes. To be honest, not necessarily. Yeah. <clears throat> That Alex Neal is going to name a weak inside, but I think he needs minutes for those sort of players. So yeah. I think Bass Bit, will play. I think Bailey, Bailey Wright will Bailey play. Wright, Roberts, yeah. O'Neill, Winchester, players that haven't started in the opening two games. I think we'll see a lot of changes. Yeah. And it, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see those players and how they do, and and whether any of them can sort of grab that grab that chance. And interesting to see what Sheffield Wednesday do as well. But um, yeah, I mean, I think I got the uh, I, I worked out the uh, stats at the end of the game. But that was Sunderland's first win in the championship for one thousand five hundred and fifty-three days, which um, is pretty. <laughs> it's a pretty long time. Four points from the opening, opening two matches, and eighteen unbeaten now for Alex Neil dating back to that MK Dons game, including playoffs. I mean, you know that eighteen-game unbeaten run for Alex Neil's not gonna um, not gonna go on forever. We know that, but he's got massive amounts of of credit in the bank for me, and I don't believe he's actually lost a competitive away game as Sunderland manager either so no it's just the MK Dons game is that's the only yeah, game he's lost which which was at home so you know again coming coming up from League One the job he did last season taking over a, a team that had lost 6-0 to Bolton Wanderers the turmoil at the club with Defoe Roy Keane is he coming isn't he coming the backdrop of all that he's just come in and 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 sorted everything out and you know the way this team are playing with a few additions it's unrecognisable from from what Lee Johnson left Sunderland with and I think all credit to Alex Neil he's got massive amounts of, of credit in the bank for me um, regardless of what happens this season for Sunderland mm. well, As you say we are going to preview the uh, Sheffield Wednesday game uh, tomorrow we're going to get uh, um, a point of view from the Sheffield Wednesday end as well but uh, just finally before we go who are you kind of maybe looking forward to seeing in that game given an opportunity we've mentioned Roberts are there any other players you think you know this is their chance to kind of stake a claim yeah, I'd like to see Roberts. I'd like to see Trey Hume maybe um, at some point. I think Lugo Nine probably plays well. It'd be interesting to see Alex Bass. And, you know, there was a lot of mixed reports from Portsmouth fans, but he's still only 24 years old, which is extremely young for a goalkeeper. So it'd be, it'd be good to see see how he um, how he does. Bailey Wright as well, I think, will we'll, we'll need minutes. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting fixture. Who are you looking forward to seeing? Um, yes, yeah, I think a good chance for Tri Hume. It'll be interesting if he goes with a back three or back five. I think possibly a back three again because Wednesday usually play with, with that system. Um, Ajay Lisi, I think, will come in on the left side of defence. So an yes, I forgot about him. Came on um, briefly, didn't yeah. he? So, yeah, I think he could uh, could make his first competitive start. So, I think, yeah, be a chance for a lot of players. And, you know, it's, it's up to them for them to go and go and show Alex Neil what they can do and, and kind of stake a claim for... To be in for a league fixture, um, as I say, I think he'll make make a lot of changes. He kind of hinted at that after after the Bristol City game. So um, we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, that brings us to an end of another Raw podcast. Uh, you can find uh, more reaction and analysis over on the SAFC section of the Sunderland Echo website. We'll have more build up to that Carabao Cup game against Sheffield Wednesday. 
Once again, thank you for listening to the Raw Podcast.